Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, the Director of Broadcast and Media Outreach, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jordan. Thank you. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you. Good. I'm excited to dive into James today. Uh, today we're going to be talking about James 1, 9 through 11. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So Jeff, often you talk about how we as Americans are automatically up in the high percentile of wealth in the world. So some of Jesus' disciples in the New Testament, like Barnabas, do give give all away, and they join the community in this um, commonwealth of sharing, but then others don't. There's Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, who don't give their wealth away, but they continue to be disciples and do good works with their with their wealth. Right. How should disciples of Jesus treat money? Well, you're absolutely right that there are several folks in the New Testament who have significant means and they have wealth. Some give it all away. Others um, don't give it all away and yet continue to serve the Lord and serve the body of Christ through their generosity. I think, generally speaking, for believers, there are some biblical principles that help guide me uh, and my family and our approach to money, and I think that are instructive. And the first is this, that we are to work hard. You know, the Bible values hard work. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writes to the the church at Thessalonica saying, honor those who work hard among you. And in fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So part of the character of a Christian is to work hard uh, in order to provide for those whom God has entrusted to our care. And as we work, I think the next principle is we should expect a fair wage. Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 10, the laborer is worthy of his wages. And so as we work hard, we ought to expect remuneration in return. And we can get into different conversations about what constitutes a fair wage. But regardless, the principle would be, as I work hard, I should expect a fair wage for the work that I'm doing. As I do that, though, the third principle would be that I recognize that everything that I have has been entrusted to me by God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, What do you have that you did not receive? If you then received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So as I work hard, as I expect a wage in return for the work that I've done, I still recognize that this is all coming from God. It's, it's kind of like while we pray before we eat. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get a paycheck. I'm going to go to the grocery store. Or if I'm a farmer, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to till the soil. I'm going to tend it, and I'm going to harvest. And then we're going to prepare that food and sit down at the table. And what are we going to do? We're going to stop and pause and say, Lord, thank you for this food. Now, we worked hard for it. We we received our wages. But it is God, we recognize, that gives us this food. Well, it's the same thing with our money. It is God who gives us what we have. And then the next point follows that, that I recognize that I am a steward of that which belongs to God. 
not to me. So it's all God's anyway. He is entrusting it to our care. And what is the expectation of stewards? Stewards must be found faithful. That's 1 Corinthians 4, 2. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So as I steward what God has entrusted to me, recognizing that I have received it from him, even though I've worked hard for it, and that work working hard honors God, I steward what is his. To steward what is his, I want to invest and manage my money wisely. And so Jesus, in telling the parable of the talents, uh, you remember the one who got the one talent, the single talent, what did he do? He took it and he buried it because he didn't understand the heart of his master. Well, in the parable, the master says, you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. In comparison to the one who was given the five talents, who invested it, made five more. The one who was given the two talents, who invested those two talents, made two more. The one with the one talent didn't invest it. So Jesus is telling, part of the principle of that parable is Jesus telling us that we are to invest what has been entrusted to our care and manage it wisely. And then finally, I'll say this, that we're called to live generously. We are called to live generously because we have a generous God. There's, it's a, an extended passage, but I want to share 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 through 11. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And he's speaking specifically about how we handle our money. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So the idea is this. God entrusts these resources to our care. We're stewards. We're to be called and found faithful. But we also ought to invest and sow generously and live open-handedly so that the, the people are blessed and give glory to God as we invest that which God has given us into them. You know, as you were as you were reading those passages and talking about those principles, I I could not stop thinking about Joseph from Genesis. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's you know born to a rich family, but then he's sold into slavery, and then he rises and becomes the head of a an important officer's house, and then he's put into prison. Yeah, and then he becomes the second in the kingdom of Egypt, the greatest kingdom on earth at that time. That's right. Yeah, but no matter where he is, he's always praising God. He's always being exuberant in his praise of God, yes. but then he's also being very faithful with whatever is given to him. If he's in the prison, he's he's elevated to becoming the the chief in the prison, you know, by his guards because he's so faithful and so wise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then when he goes before Pharaoh and interprets dreams for him, Pharaoh makes him the second highest in the land. And he takes good care of Egypt so that when his uh when Joseph's own family comes in, he's able to take care of them because of his faithful stewardship of the resources that were presented to him. 
But also he takes care of the Egyptians and they weather a famine and are still able to take care of the rest of the world because of the surplus that they developed because Joseph was faithful to God's calling upon him. Yeah, and and the result is glory to God. Uh, people who were not followers of, of the Lord, the living God, they worshiped God as a result of Joseph's faithfulness. You think also of the Apostle Paul, who grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth and had the best education, the best training, had a, had a great up-and-coming career within the Judaism, the structure of Jewish leadership there, and he gave it all away to trust and follow Jesus. And he said, (laughs) I know what it is to be abased. I know what it is to abound. I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to not have enough. And in all things, I have determined, I have discovered the secret. And the secret is I can do, I can endure all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so, you know, those are, those are a couple of really strong examples in the Bible of people who uh, had it all, lost it all, got it again, and those, <laughs> but it all results in glory to God. And speaking of Paul, the other day you cited Galatians six fourteen, where Paul says, Far be it for me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So the second half of that makes sense to me, you know, being crucified to the world, you know, we're, we're different from the world, we're set apart from the world, we're in it but not of it. But the first half seems a little bit harder. What does Paul mean that the world has been crucified to us in the cross of Jesus? I think that when we look at all the world can offer, when we look at it through the lens of faith in Jesus Christ, it loses its luster. Think about when Jesus was being tempted by Satan. And one of the temptations was Satan showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And some commentators have said that that was all the kingdoms of all time. And Satan said, all this I will give you if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus understood, yes, there's great power, there's great glory, there's great wealth, there's great renown. But all of it fades in comparison to having a relationship with the true and living God. All of it fades in comparison to being faithful to the true and living God. And so Jesus was able to look at Satan and say, away from me, that that he would not be held captive by that which looked so good but was so fleeting, so ephemeral. It's, it's, there's some sense in which all that the world can offer is like a mirage. It might last for a moment, but the closer you get to it, you recognize this is not lasting forever. And so I think when the Apostle Paul says, the world has been crucified to me, he's looking at the world now, not through the lenses of, I'm going to climb the ladder and become all I can become and achieve all I can achieve and get all I can get. He's saying, I understand now that there is a greater treasure, and that treasure is having a relationship with God. Yeah. I've heard it put that there's an inversion principle with the kingdom. So there's, you know, riches in this world, but there's riches in the world to come. And that's really what we're going for. You know, it's like there's stature in this world, but we should forsake that for stature in the world to come. You You, think about the, the, the woman that Jesus honored, the widow who gave the two mites. And when we get to glory, she is going to be, I mean, who knows um, the, the sort of authority, the sort of wealth, the sort of riches that she will have because she understood the kingdom of God on this earth. Yeah, and circling back to talking about how we as Americans are, you know, 
higher in wealth than a lot of the world. It, I like that you, you cited First Timothy the other day, First uh, Timothy 6, 17 through 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. That really helps me a lot to think about how to spend my money. You know, I don't think of myself as being rich, but like like you say, we are doing very well uh, as Americans, and we should be trying to store up treasures in heaven. We should be trying to be rich in good works, not rich in money. Um, and if that comes, then we can be even more rich in good works. That's exactly right. And I think that um, Paul writes to Timothy something that is instructive for all of us against these sort of principles. What do we do with with riches that have been entrusted to us? Well, we do good with them. And with those resources, we use them that we might be rich in good works and that we would be generous and ready to share, um, recognizing again that we are storing up treasure in heaven as we live out our faith in that way. Okay, so now we're going to go to our listener question for the day. Again, if you have a question for Jeff, it doesn't have to be about the sermon. It can be about a Bible story or just something in general. You can submit that through the link in our show notes. So today's question is, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Like Paul, I want to be an imitator of Christ. But the more I learn about Jesus, the farther I feel from him. How do I imitate Christ, who is so distant from me in time, place, and perfection? You know, that's a great question. I I don't know who submitted this question, but I love it. And what it first indicates is that the heart of this listener is to follow Christ. And I think that's step one. I want to be like Jesus. So that desire then propels me to ask the question, well, how do I do that? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked the earth. He's here with us in spirit now, but he's not walking around in flesh right now. So how do I imitate that which I cannot see? And I think a couple things that are really helpful. Uh, One, we are in his word. Uh, I cannot imitate Christ if I don't know what Christ would do. And that's what those bracelets are so helpful. The little WWJD bracelets are so helpful because it, it compels us to ask the question, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, here's the struggle. If I don't know what Jesus did, then I can't rightly discern what Jesus would do. So there are folks who wear those bracelets who say, what would Jesus do? And then they pull something out of the thin air that, or, or the teaching of the world or maybe even some other religion altogether and say, well, Jesus would be like this religious leader or that religious leader. And that's not true. So I've got to be rooted in what did Jesus do? If I know what did Jesus do, now I can rightly discern by the help of the Holy Spirit, what would Jesus do? So I think step one is having the desire, but then step two is getting into the word and actually looking at what Jesus said, what he did, how he treated people, how he responded to people, and uh, really getting a clear picture of the way that he lived his life on this earth. The third thing is being empowered by his Holy Spirit. So that that comes from prayer and just saying, Lord, what would you have me do in this situation? And trusting the guidance of the Holy Spirit to lead according to the word so that I can then live out my faith in the same way that Jesus would if he were in flesh today. That's a great answer. It, it brought to mind Matthew 10, 25. 
It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and his servant like his master. So we don't have to be Jesus. We don't have to be perfect because he was perfect and we can be disciples of him and being a disciple. Being a disciple is learning about our teacher and then doing what he says and acting like him. Yeah. And and for me, it's always be growing, always be becoming more like Christ. And I do that not by saying, okay, I'm going to be more like Jesus today. I do that by saying, Lord, show me the ways in me that are not like Christ. Take those out and compel me by your spirit to to follow you. I was telling you guys before I came in here, I was almost in a couple of little accidents as I was coming to church today. And uh, I have a choice when those things happen. I can react in the flesh or I can respond by the leadership of the Spirit. And I'm always tempted to react in the flesh. And everybody who's ever driven a car knows what that looks like. Um, And yet God, through His Spirit, compels me to say, no, 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 your witness of being Christ-like in this situation is more important than whatever fleeting satisfaction you might get from reacting in the flesh. So hold tight, (laughs) hold your tongue, um, hold your gestures, and... Trust and follow me in this moment, too. As is written, Jesus, take the wheel. Amen. (laughs) Jeff, can you pray us out today? Uh, Sure can. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we confess that as we talk about money, this is a conversation that can be fraught with misunderstanding and strong emotions. But, Lord, we recognize that everything we have comes from you. And everything we have is yours. We are called to steward it for a moment, to be faithful, to invest it wisely and to manage it wisely, all for your glory and the good of those around us. So, Lord, just as you are generous, help us to be generous. Just as you sow bountifully, help us to sow bountifully, that we might reap bountifully as well. Lord, that people would see through the way that we handle the resources you've entrusted to our care, that there is a God in the heavens who is preparing us for a world that is greater than anything this world could ever offer. Lord, we ask your blessing as we go from this time. May we become more like Jesus with each passing moment, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel and submit a question to the link in our show notes. For even more First Baptist content, visit firstbaptistbg.org.